The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. There'll be love and laughter and peace ever after tomorrow when the world is free. The sh- that's Vera Lynn, White Cliffs of Dover. I have a story about that song. Well, tell me the story because I've listened to that a song zillion times, a zillion right? times in my living room, or heard it from my yeah. bedroom as a child as my mom played it. And and that's the same thing. It was um, it was on the eight track um, that my grandma and grandpa had in the uh, old red duster that we'd go <laughs> bombing around southern uh, Ontario with Lindsay Bob Cajun area, and uh, I never really paid attention. To it, just knew that that was a song that, and then there was like Doris Day, K. Sera mm-hmm. Sera. But in 2003, when uh, I went over to France to cover the opening of the Juno Beach Center after the ceremony that day, um, and it was all you know, pomp and circumstance, and there was you know, all sorts of stuff going on. And then when everyone cleared out, a lot of the, the veterans uh, who were there they stuck around, and someone had set up speakers, a little sound system right on Juno Beach. Um, this is just where they had dropped 44,000 poppies from the sky. And, you know, these old vets were going around picking them all up and putting them in their pocket to keep them. And that song came on. And they found each other. I don't know if they were a husband or wife or whatever it was, whoever it was. But then there was dancing. Hmm. They were all dancing to this song on Juno Beach. Right there, wow. right where, you know, the, the troops stormed ashore on on D-Day, where, you know, what was it, 344 Canadian soldiers that day at Juneau Beach died. And and they were taking those memories and turning them into something um, a lot more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and I will never, ever forget that. And that song um, takes me right back there in a moment. You know, it's funny, and we'd love to hear... Uh, your memories. We'd love to hear who you will be thinking about on November 11th. We'd love to hear from you on the phone. We have all afternoon. All afternoon to hear your stories. 496-0063 or you can text us, of course, at 630-630. But to the point of your story, that's what I said yesterday or the day before in talking about my mom's memories. And it was true again yesterday. She tells the funniest stories about um, one of the most horrific times in the world's history um, but she laughs and, you know, and, and some of them I've heard a million times before and I just love to hear them again. Um, you know, the one she told me last night was that they were in London. Um, I mean, my mom's from London. That's where she grew up, was born, grew up. And that during the war, there would oftentimes be air raids. Mm-hmm. And they had built a bomb shelter at the bottom of the garden. And when the air raid signal went off, uh, everybody who was there made their way down to the um, bomb shelter. But oftentimes, you'd be in there for hours. You never knew how long you'd be in there. And her grandmother um, just had a difficult time um, getting down to the shelter. So they decided to leave her with her 
uh, consent under the stairs. <laughs> so they just, when the air raid signal goes off, they put her under the stairs, down to the bomb shelter. Um, they get the all-clear signal, and they go back, and they finish their supper, and they sit around and listen to the radio for a time, and then they go to bed, and then somebody remembers nobody went and got Grandma. <laughs> Grandma's still under the <laughs> stairwell. Grandma's been under the stairwell <laughs> for it's three very, hours. It's very quiet in here. Where's Grandma? Uh, it's 2.40 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. The question for you today is who are you remembering on this Remembrance Day? And if you'd like to share, we'd love to hear it from you. 4960063. Jim has given us a call this afternoon. Hi, Jim. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. What's going on today? Who are you remembering? Well, well, I'll tell you, Jill, and you know I'm in the service, and and my dad was in the service, and I'm going to remember him, but I've got a really unique story about this. Um, My dad was a uh, Lancaster bomber pilot, World Mm. War II, and when we discovered the last flying Lancaster North America is in Hamilton, uh, before he passed away in the early, the mid-2000s, we, my brother and I, took him to Hamilton, and we took him up in the bomber. Oh, wow. Well, well, it was, you know, as most veterans are, and I think you know this, Jalen, with your background, they don't talk much about the background. They don't talk about what they went through, you know. And Dad never did. He, he, he never talked much about it. We knew he went through a lot, but he never he never got into any detail. Well, we did this flight, and we landed, and, and there was an old TWA pilot who was the bomber pilot. Dad had his logbooks there. They gave him a, an honorary hour, which I thought was really neat. <laughs> but then as they were walking him back inside under this room, uh, the ready room, and we were chatting, and the pilot turned to Dad and said, so so what was different between now and World War II? And his response toward everybody, he said, no one's shooting him. <laughs> <laughs> Not the truth. Wow. And I just, it just, it, the whole room saw him because it just, it's so true. And the inside of a Lancaster bomber, it's it's like you can shoot through the twenty-two. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's all aluminum, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it, it that really really hit me hard because Dad never said much about everything that he did. So, you know, that was kind of neat. You know that that story that story really. Uh uh, hits me because do you remember did you see the movie Saving Private Ryan? Absolutely. And do you know the opening scene was just one of the most disturbingly violent scenes, bullets flying in all directions, people mm-hmm. yeah, losing their lives. We got that movie for my dad because he that was an American movie about Americans, mm-hmm. but he was there. He landed mm-hmm. at the same time and we got the movie for him and he watched it and then we I phoned him and I said, so do you think that was an accurate portrayal? And he said, no. And I said, why not? He goes, it was worse. Yeah. Yeah. And same sort of thing where I just was taken aback for a moment. How could it be worse than that? Hey, Jim, curious to know, um, did your dad have any trepidation about going back up in the Lancaster at all? Well, he was excited yet very quiet. Yeah. and when we got him in there, you know, at that point he was in his mid-80s, so he, he couldn't get up in the front of the line because there's a bulkhead yeah. between the back and the pilot seat, so he couldn't get up front. So they put him between the engines, and he just, as soon as they fired up the Merlin engines, he just smiled oh. and said, those are Merlins. Oh, man, those things are so loud. <laughs> yeah, and he just smiled. Well, he lost his hearing on his left-hand side. Interesting. Of... He didn't even realize that Veteran Affairs would pay for his hearing. He just oh, my he was gosh. about 65. So... <laughs> So, you know, but he lost his hearing from flying bombers, you know. 
What an amazing, what an amazing memory you provided for him. Amazing experience for him again, but a beautiful memory for for you, Jim. Yeah, and I mean, it, I carry that with me. As you know, Jaylen, I go to the bottom every year. You're there, and you know, I, I go to the the service, and he's always on my mind. Yeah. Well, we'll see you tomorrow, Jim. Okay. We will. Thank you so much. Thank one. you for sharing. Dylan wants to share his story. Hi, Dylan. Good. What, who are you remembering? Well, you know, I don't know the guy's name, but it would have been in the early 90s. I'm only 31, and uh, it was the height of the Bosnia-Herzegovina conflict. Yeah. My mom was a post-traumatic stress debriefing specialist for the CAF, and she got me to strike up a pen pal relationship with this that was deployed and he wrote me letters and I wrote him back and he sent me a peacekeeper brief and you don't remember his you don't remember his name I don't remember his name but it uh it hit home for sure well, Dylan, the one thing is is that uh, you obviously carry a, a piece of, of him in your heart and you remember him and you're going to remember him, well, you are today and tomorrow as well, probably every day. Yeah, you bet. I, I still have uh, a couple postcards, but they were just for picture purposes, but he was in the Lord Strat, uh, Strathmore Horse. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan, thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. Four nine six zero zero six three is the number to call. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Lori, Margaret, your calls after this. It's a long way to Tipperary. It's a long way to go. It's a long way to Tipperary to the sweetest girl I there's another one that probably brings back some memories for you or you maybe you with your grandparents you with your parents maybe it's just you a long way to Tipperary had lots of fun listening to some music this morning enjoying every minute of it Lori's on the phone hey Lori who are you remembering hi I'm remembering my great uncle Stephen it's kind of an emotional story it's, I've never met him of course because he was killed in World War II um, but we have a memory box downstairs. There's a Christmas card that he sent to the family. Yeah. And then a telegram from the War Department for December 4th saying that he was killed in action on November 29th. So the family had received a Christmas card or they received notice that he passed away. So they received the Christmas card and then the, the death notice. My yeah. goodness. My goodness. Yeah, I just, I, I get choked up thinking about it. Yeah. yeah all this, this metal. You're allowed to, you're allowed to, Lori. You're allowed to get choked up and you're allowed to celebrate and you're allowed to have tears. And yeah. um, even if you don't know the person, it's okay. Yeah, definitely. And I'll be laying a, a wreath in his memory tomorrow at the Bashell Legion. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing. Appreciate that, Lori. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank have you. A good day. Four nine six zero zero six three. Hi, Carol. Hi. I have a, a short little memory, and it's kind of a general one. But um, when I was on a bus tour in Italy, we, the bus uh, driver just did an impromptu stop at uh, 
a memorial graveyard. And he said, if anybody wants to get out and just walk through the graves, you know, you're more than welcome to. So we did. And that hit home for me because I saw so many names on there and it said, you know, somebody's son or, mm-hmm. or a young man's name. And it was Edmonton. Wow. Or, or then it was uh, somebody from Saskatoon yeah. or Calgary. And it was just rows and rows of these young men yeah. that were 19. It would have their names on it, 19, mm-hmm. 20, 21. And I just had tears. I don't think there was anybody on that bus that was Canadian that didn't. And uh, that's when Remembrance Day really hit home for me. You know, that's, anyway. that's always the eye-opener, isn't it? Because... It's one thing to say that there was a loss of this many lives or, mm-hmm. you know, when it's a number, yeah. it, it's it's significant. But when you put a name to the number or a city or an age, age. it changes everything, you know, and especially if you're a parent, right? Because you, you look at that number and go, well, that's exactly. younger than my children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And um, I'm 65 and that was about 10 years ago. But for me, I mean, I, I certainly knew people that were in the war and are, you know, lost a leg or whatever from World War II. And uh, I heard about stories. My father wasn't, but he had lots of good friends that were. He was a farmer, my dad. But um, I just, you know, it just hit home for me then. And now the Remembrance Day is just so much more meaningful because mm-hmm. I go back to that graveyard and I think about all those names that are there mm-hmm. that you know those young men gave their lives for all of us so Absolutely. we can be walking around the streets as free people and you know it just is really unbelievable mm-hmm. it's important it's important never to forget carol thank you so much for sharing thank you all righty it is um jerry jerry i have about a minute right now who are you remembering well, I have a little little different memory, uh, Jillian. I just wanted to share, when I was a young fellow growing up in the 50s, I remember the Army coming out and stopping the flooding uh, off the Saskatchewan <laughs> River. I later joined the Mounted Police, and uh, I remember when they came out and helped us out at a couple of the Penn riots and then at the FLQ crisis. And it was sort of the first time that I remember as a policeman, usually you're the one, <laughs> that's uh, seen as being stopping it. But the fact that you had, you know, folks in the Army and uh, and uh, different services helping out to calm issues or to bring uh, relief to people uh, is always something that I think about. Uh, we've lost family members, but I always think about the times when they're serving and nobody's really thinking about mm-hmm. the services that they do every every day to help people out. Absolutely. You know, General Cadu talked about that, you know, the mm-hmm. domestic side of it, whether it's an yeah. ice storm, whether it's a flood, whether it's a fire, things that they're doing right here at home. Jerry, thanks for this. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, coming up to 2.55. We do need to take a break. After the 3 o'clock news, we do have some special guests in studio talking about a project called the Ramp Ceremony, a really interesting, very Canadian story that we want to tell you about. And then we'll take more of your phone calls with the question we can answer today is, who are you remembering?
The Trues, Highway of Heroes, written after the death of Nicola Goddard in Afghanistan. Um, one of the soldiers, one of the 158 soldiers that were killed in Afghanistan. And uh, 158 times in Afghanistan, during the war in Af- Afghanistan, we saw a video of the ramp ceremonies at Kandahar Airport, the start of the repatriation of our Canadian soldiers. But did you know those ramp ceremonies are very much a Canadian thing and almost didn't happen? I didn't know that until today, but I know it now. A filmmaker and historian, Karen Storwick, and the man who made them happen, uh, Sergeant Major retired, Jim Butters, are working on a documentary called The Ramp Ceremony. They join us in studio today. Welcome. Hi, Karen. Hi, Jim. Hello, thank you. Thanks for making the track. Appreciate it. Um, I, I, I'm not even sure where to start with this, except for the fact of that I always thought ramp ceremonies just happened. Do you know what, Jaylen? As somebody who's not involved in the military, because you are, I'm going to back up a little further than that and say, what is a ramp ceremony? Because I, I know now, oh. but did not know that. You didn't know that. I no, had not okay. heard the term. What is a ramp ceremony? Well, a ramp ceremony is, uh, is a proper send-off for our soldiers that are killed overseas um, so that we could have a little bit of closure, uh, the peers of the soldier that has been killed. Um, those peers need closure and uh, in order to have that closure we d- came up with the ram ceremony uh, so that the soldiers could have that closure and get back to the job and, uh, and do their job over there in Afghanistan. So you're literally talking about, because I've seen the trailer, and we'll get into mm-hmm. that uh, in a moment, but you're literally talking about uh, a whole bunch of men and women at attention sending off the, their fallen comrade for them to return to Canada. That's correct. It, it, you know, it's a, it's a big morale boost, uh, you know, and uh, like I said, closure for the troops. Uh, every soldier that's out there, uh, when, they, when they're killed on the battlefield, and, uh, you know, their fire team partner uh, is... You know, and their and their team members, they're the ones that are affected the most. And by having a ramp ceremony, even though it only takes you know an hour out of their day, we get everybody together. We do a proper send off for these troops. That there gives the uh, the closure they need. It lifts the morale, and the soldiers get back to, into action. And I'm guessing one of the things here is is that between Korea and Afghanistan, um, while there was Bosnia and you know other pe- and, and peacekeeping mis- missions and that sort of thing, this is not something that we necessarily thought about. So when Afghanistan came around, and the first four were killed there, there needed to be a plan. How were we going to do this? Because the Americans from what I understand, don't do ceremonies like this. No, uh, they didn't. And this was one of the biggest concerns was uh, on the 17th of April when this uh, incident took place, uh, you know, I was up and in the command center within minutes of it happening. I, I felt the uh, the earth shake. You know, we were 15 kilometers away from wow. where the bomb dropped. And, uh, and I knew something had gone terribly wrong. So I got up and I went into the command post. That's when I found out it was a friendly fire. Uh, my orders, within hours, I had uh, you know the commanding officer, uh, Colonel Strogren, coming to me and saying, Sergeant Major, I don't know what you're going to do, but we got to give these guys a proper send-off. And he left it with me. And uh, so... You know, I just went back to my uh, hooch because we were living in little tents at the time on the airfield. And I thought to myself, okay, Jim, if, uh, if I was killed in action today, how would I like to be sent home? What would I like to see? And that's how we came up with the ram ceremony. I sat down and I said, you know what? 
we have to allow the troops to be able to see the soldiers that had just been uh, killed in action, you know, for the last time before we put them on that plane, get the closure we need and get on with the uh, the job. But it wasn't an automatic. It wasn't a, yeah, yeah, just go ahead and do it. Absolutely not. Uh, the Americans had a real hard time with it. When I sat down and, and, and spoke with our American commanders, because we were under command of the Rakasons at the time, the 101st Airborne, um, I, I sat down with my counterpart, who was Sergeant Major Savusa, and I, and I explained to him what I was going to do, and he says, Jim, you can't do that. <laughs> he said, we can't put hundreds, you know, over a thousand troops out on the, uh, behind a, a C-17 on the runway and, and, and do the ceremony. And I said, well, uh, I know you guys don't do it that way, but this is how I'm doing it. And that was it. Uh, and now, you were under the command of the Americans, right? So if they right. said no, it was no. Yes, we were under command. And, uh, but I, I had my marching orders from Colonel Strogren mm-hmm. to make it happen. And that's the plan I came up with. And if they had a problem with it, they had to deal with Colonel Strohwood on this <laughs> And they could deal with him. <laughs> exactly. Karen, and, you know, at first uh, I think I asked, you know, why this story? But when you hear how it all came together, it makes sense why, as a, as a historian and as a, as a filmmaker, that this story has grabbed your attention. Yeah, when I first met Jim in uh, 2009, we were working together. I was a civilian working uh, on contract with the Patricias, and Jim was working in regimental headquarters, and we were working together on Heroes Hockey Challenge, actually. And, uh, you know, uh, through all the hard work, we had some opportunity to exchange stories, and and this was uh, the time that I heard about um, you know this story in 2002 after the Tarnak farm incident and um, I was blown away because as as a Canadian like like every Canadian I believed that the Ram ceremony that I'd been watching that we were still engaged in the war in Afghanistan I'd been watching the Ram ceremonies on TV for years and believed it was something that had always just happened and uh, when I found out that this was uh, something that um, was so uniquely designed by a Canadian, I thought, we've, we've got to tell this story because we, as Canadians, are not accustomed to telling our stories. We've grown up watching American news media and Hollywood, and we understand so clearly um, American history, but we do not champion our own history. And I thought, you know, this is something so so cool, so current, um, so powerful, so meaningful. Mm-hmm. And especially when you look at the the um, the, the way that it flowed into the highway of heroes right. phenomenon. Um, this was this was the Canadian way of doing things, and I thought that that needed to be told. We need to be proud of the way that we do things, and uh, that that's, that's been the impetus for me. G- Jim, we weren't prepared to do this, though. The Canadians didn't have what was needed at the time to send the boys home. Exactly. We, we were pretty, uh, you know, we were ill-prepared, that's for sure. Um, I think, you know, the Canadian government, this is the first time that they really sent us into conflict like this uh, since uh, the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were in Bosnia and everything else under the peacekeeping banner, but uh, this time we were under NATO, and we haven't been there for a long time. We were under command of the Americans, so yeah, a lot of the support was supposed to be coming from the Americans. But when you're talking about Canadian flags to drape the coffins, we didn't have enough. I had to go around and, and you know, talk to the troops, and the troops uh, gladly gave up wow. their Canadian flags that they, we had hanging in the bivouac, and that's what went home on the coffins. Uh, the the um, transfer cases, we didn't have transfer cases, of course. Uh, we got those from the Americans, and the uh, same with the body bags. But that, you know, uh, that was the first time in a long time that we had been to war, and uh, 
when we went back in 2006, we were prepared and uh, we had everything sorted out by that time. Uh, you know, we weren't going to make the same mistake twice. You know, I was wondering if you were going to say the words body bags. I, I watched the trailer uh, for the documentary, The Ram Ceremony, and it uh, I don't know how to describe it other than it's it stopped my day. I It just stopped my day. And I'm sorry, when I heard you speak in that trailer about not having enough body bags, I just... But how? How? I couldn't put my head around it. I... I, I I don't even have a question for you. I just it it stopped my day. I, I'm really anxious to see this project finished. Yeah. When when um when did you start talking about this? I mean, how how is it that 15 years after the fact, 12 15 years after the fact, we're just hearing this story? Well, actually, it was in 2009, I think we were at a, uh, down in Calgary at the museum and doing a book signing or, or something like that. There was something going on in Calgary at the museum, and, uh, and I was down there in uniform. And uh, Karen's uh, counterpart, uh, uh, Rob, he, he was down there, and he came up and started talking to me. And, and I don't know how we got on the subject, but uh, we, we ended up getting on the subject about ramp ceremonies and... Uh, and then all of a sudden, the guy just reaches over, gives me a big hug and a kiss on the cheek, believe it or not. And he says, Jim, he says, he says this is unbelievable. He says, uh, I had no idea. He said, thanks for doing this. And, uh, and ever since that time, Rob and Karen mm-hmm. uh, have been, well, we've been talking about it and getting together. And, and uh, they have put timeless effort into, you know, putting this project together. So... You know, when you've got a couple civilians out there that, you know, you really never knew yesterday, yep. and then all of a sudden today they're so interested in the story. To me, it was just my job, and I was doing it, and until Karen and Rob came along and and really, you know, started, uh, you know, say there's so really, much more to this. More to the story. And Absolutely. you know, Andrew's Andrew's reaction was the same when I when I watched the trailer. But Karen and I were at a dinner what three weeks ago together and she was telling me the story and I had to stop her because the exact same thing just happened to me I I couldn't talk I had tears in my eyes I actually put my hand up and I said okay we need to stop we need to stop right now because otherwise I'm going to be a bawling mess at the table I mean um, this story um, all of it um, the past 15 years and the past 100 um, you know before that have such a connection to so many of us in, in, in so many different ways and we're seeing it today day uh, on the phone lines, people coming in and wanting to share their stories and telling us about their loved ones. I want to take a break here. When we come back, I want to talk about something else that really kind of happened organically. Like you were there to take care of the ramp ceremony. What we saw with the Highway uh, of Heroes from Trenton into Toronto, that was another thing that ended up taking place here in Edmonton as well. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Stick around. We'll be back with Jim Butters and Karen Storrook right after this. It is called the Ramp Ceremony. This is a piece from the trailer, the project that's being uh, worked on. We weren't prepared for it. Uh, we had some body bags uh, for, for the soldiers. Uh, we didn't have our own flags to put on the coffins. We didn't have the transfer cases to get them back to uh, Canada. So, of course, we had to go to the Americans and uh, borrow uh, the uh, transfer cases off the Americans. 
to that point, they would bring the, the bodies in and put them on the plane at night, no fanfare, and send them home. If I, I was one of those guys, how would I want my unit to send me home? The brigade uh, sergeant major says, and I went and talked to him, and I says, uh, "This is this is the plan. You know, this is the ceremony we're going to have, and it's going to take place on the airfield." Right away, he said, "We can't do that. Uh, you know, we can't have a C-17 sitting out there with uh, a thousand troops standing behind it. You know what? You guys, you know, the Americans, you guys have your way of dealing with uh, sending casualties home. This is what we're doing, and uh, either you're." you know, gonna support this or not, but uh, this is the way we're gonna do it. Eventually, you know, most of the Americans, every American that could be out there, was out there, fell in with the Canadians, and uh, we sent these guys off properly. That's the voice of Jim Butters, retired uh, Sergeant Major uh, with the 3rd Battalion uh, at the time, and uh, the project from that, that is from the project, the ramp ceremony, the producer, the woman behind it as well, Karen Storwick, joining us in studio. I know, Andrew, you had a question for uh, the Sergeant Major. I did, uh, because uh, a couple of times in describing why it was necessary or important to have a ramp ceremony to send off fallen soldiers, to send them home to their families, uh, that it was... um, an important morale boost and just as a person who's not served you sort of think how can that be a morale boost Wouldn't that be a downer yeah to see Even a fallen more. comrade sent home so why is it a morale boost well I, I think it's a morale boost uh, for the simple reason uh, the, the Canadian military is so small and everybody knows everybody especially when you're in a battle group overseas uh, everybody knows uh, the next guy, um, you know, that's in a company, in Charlie Company or Alpha Company, whichever company he's in. And uh, when someone gets killed, uh, like I've said many times already today, uh, you need that closure. And by getting everybody together, getting everybody to be able to mourn at the same time, see him off in a proper way, the respect of sending that soldier home back to his family, uh, that is the closure and the morale booster that the uh, the soldiers need in order to uh, to go back in the field and uh, and go back into combat. Uh, you know, it's never, you know, you never know when it's your your numbers up. And uh, and I think every soldier thinks that they're they're invincible. <laughs> Nothing's ever going to happen to uh, to them. Uh, I was the same way. Uh, four times in combat and four times I the different missions. And four times, I never ever thought about myself and being killed overseas, ever. And it just never crossed my mind. So when it does happen, uh, you need that closure, you need that uh, mourning. Uh, you know, it may be a, a short spell of mourning, you know, a half hour, an hour, but you're showing your respect to the soldier that has fallen, and now you can carry on with your operation. Hmm. Karen, when, um, when those Herks landed back in, in Trenton, um, we would see those um, caskets, transfer cases, transfer as you cases, call them, transfer yes. cases, as you call them. Um, you know, the families would oftentimes uh, be there and they'd be loaded up and then be taken into um, the morgue in Toronto. And and over the years, we started seeing this real organic, organic, organic like movement, just this... It just bubbled up, um, and it became the highway of heroes. And again, I talk about that. I get I get goosebumps about it. This project is also going to be looking at the highway of heroes. 
Yeah, it's a really important element of the story. Um, in fact, there was a media ban on the airbase in Trenton in 2002 and 2006 because of the um, this, this, this sort of protocol that had been in place up until that point was let's not let anybody know that we've had losses because it's too painful. It's too painful for the nation. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that in spite of the media ban, people started to gather on the bridges. They gathered on the side of the highway to, to, to salute the convoys as they passed by to pay their respects. And what, what this did was create a surge of national pride. With each loss in Afghanistan, I believe that it created a, a greater sense of unity with Canadians. I mean, we've been uh, uh, commemorating remembrance since the Second World War, since Korea, but most Canadians don't have any um, real current experience of remembrance. And all of a sudden, this is now very close to home. I think it brought Canadians closer together, and it signaled a turning point in the relationship with Canadians and the armed forces. And you talk to any, uh, any soldier in uniform sailor um, aviator in uniform in the 80s and in many cases they were not allowed to go off base in uniform because the the of uh, the level of disrespect mm -hmm. for members of our armed forces at that time was so profound some people that I've talked to even remember being spat at mm. how did we get to that point where we were holding our soldiers in such disdain from our proud proud mm -hmm. history of World War One and World War Two, And so then you come to the point where we're losing soldiers in Afghanistan and we come together mm -hmm. to support the families and the friends of the fallen. We come together in solidarity. We, solidarity. we come together almost against the advice of, of the authorities out there because this, these, these become ceremonies by the people for the people. Mm -hmm. So heartfelt, so genuine. It was a turning point. Wow. How can people get involved with yeah. this project, Karen? Uh, we are just ready to launch our fundraising campaign. And uh, if you Google Combined Forces ramp ceremony you will see our uh, our project page uh, where the the trailer is uh, playable and we also have a donate page we will have a social media opportunity to donate so people who are comfortable donating in small amounts and we'll also have an opportunity for people to um, to donate for tax receipt exemption so just to be clear that's in order to facilitate the finishing of this documentary that's to for us to be able to produce this film we need to raise these funds. Okay. Karen Storwick and Jim Butters joining us in studio telling an important story that I think for a lot of our listeners today didn't know about at all. So thank you for that. Thank you for your work, uh, sir, not sir, Sergeant Major. I'll get in trouble for that one. Thank you for your service. And Karen, thanks for having the passion um, to follow this through. Thank you. Thank you for having us thank here. Thank you. You're very welcome. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.